Hello and welcome to Map Bites episode 51. I'm Mike Thomas and I'm here with my co-host Elaine Giles. And in this episode, we'll have an alternative look at the fallout from WWDC, the pitfalls of iTunes vouchers, and how you can be one of the first to get an exclusive behind-the-scenes tour of MacBytes headquarters. So, stay tuned. But please note, here with episode 51, delivered as promised, next week. Admittedly, only just. Now, tell... But next week, nevertheless. Tell me there's no battery-related news this week. Oh! Batteries, complete catastrophe. I know you couldn't make this up. The good-to-go batteries proved themselves to be somewhat, um, how shall I delicately put this, over-endowed. Yes, unbelievably, all batteries are not made equal. Who knew? They're not too big to actually go into whatever you're trying to put them into, but they're fractionally too big to comfortably remove from the magic trackpad. Go on, ask me how I know that. Go on, how do you know that? I got a set stuck in there. Let's not go there, shall we? No, anyway. McJim, brackets the real, has solved all my problems. Uh, He mailed us and he said, um, I hear you're having battery problems. Here's your solution. So what is McJim the real solution? Well, it's a Moby Magic Charger. Now, it's gorgeous. The thing is, McJim, I've been lusting after this, unbeknownst to the map biters, admittedly, since Christmas. And I just about managed to overcome my purchase impulse. And now you've reminded me. Mike's wallet is quivering. Uh, what this thing is, it's um, a sort of a replacement for half of the mouse. Uh, you take the bottom cover off, you take the batteries out, and you're left, obviously, with a carcass. You then replace that with another plate with two batteries attached to it. Now you're thinking, well, why would you be bothering doing that? But the thing is, that mouse then, you just sit it on uh, the second half of the magic charger and it automatically charges itself while ever it's sat there. So it's actually more like my MX Revolution, which I just put into the cradle and when I pick it up, it's charged. So it's gorgeous. The problem with it is it's £42.40 and that's from Amazon. Um, The proper price is €50 plus postage. So it's not a cheap solution, but McJim's right. It's a gorgeous solution. And now my purchase impulse is on red alert. So watch this space, McJim. You could have cost me money. Or more accurately, you could have cost Mike money. But anyway, uh, you can move on now. It doesn't even have an Apple logo on it, does it? I don't think it does. But actually, if you take the bottom plate off, you're losing an Apple logo. Is that is the one on the bottom? Is there an Apple That's logo on the bottom? Tr- yes, there is. I don't know. There is in white, right in the middle. So you get your Apple logo. Of course, I've got a drawer full of stickers, so I'm covered there. They should True. do little stickers. Yes, tiny little stickers. I'm seeing a market here. No, don't get me going on stickers. We'll, we'll be lost all day. I actually had my own battery uh, issues this week. I've started to use the uh, the Apple uh, wireless keyboard. I've been using it for quite a while. When I say a while, a, a week, few weeks. And the batteries have been great. And then last night it came and said the batteries are low. It was about 15%. This morning, having rebooted, 100%. Yes. Go figure. And that's what I was saying the other week. Um, completely inaccurate since the last update, which was 10.6 seven 
I think. I think it was. Um, yeah. It was all right before that. It was fairly accurate. I'm finding the keyboard to be more accurate than the mouse. The mouse is ludicrous. It drops from 100 to 6% and then dies. But the keyboard's not too bad. But as I said, I'm still using the same batteries from New Year's Eve I put them in. So they're lasting incredibly well. I think I'm down to around 17, 20%, something like that. So they'll probably go shortly. But six months, I think, it is very good going for batteries, considering yeah. the amount of use it gets. So I think yours is either lying to you. I think it's probably lying to you, you know. I think it's I at least so. 50%. But Now, of course, I don't use the, micros the, the Microsoft mouse. <laughs> you do use a Microsoft mouse at work. I've seen it. I don't use it. the Microsoft mouse. I, I was going to say, I don't use the Apple mouse. I use the Logitech mouse, much to uh, Mr. Dalton's disgust. Yes, because it's black and it doesn't match. Although uh, Jane backed me up on that, so thank you, Jane. <laughs> I love the, the MH Revolution. I I actually only stuck initially with the Magic Mouse because I was fascinated with the battery usage. So I thought, well, to test it, I'll have to use it. Um, the one thing I do like with it is the, the scrolling. It scrolls silently, so that I do like. But it's not, um, I don't think, as good as the Logitech uh, in, in other ways. Uh, there's certainly th things that it does. I certainly couldn't use it without the um, Better Touch tool, which is actually, originally, it was for the trackpad. Um, and that gives it, it makes it much more programmable. So without that, I couldn't use it at all. The only problem I've got with using that Better Touch tool is, for some reason, it conflicts nastily with Spotify. So what happens is you run Spotify, you of course completely forget that you've got Better Touch Tool running because it's automatic to you. Um, and then a couple of minutes later, you'll get a message to say that it conflicts with Spotify. Do you want, what do you want to do? Which one do you want to shut down? Or you can leave it, but beware that there's a problem. And what happens is you notice that you start double clicking things and it just doesn't take and you have to double click again or even triple click sometimes. So that's, that's one thing. I'm assuming it's something to do with Spotify because it works fine with all the other applications but gives you a bit of a problem because if you had to shut better touch tool the mouse would be useless to me it wouldn't do the copying and pasting and other stuff that I have it doing so um, yes a little aside there on mice Shall we move on to uh, WWDC? Uh, you're in charge Let's move on to WWDC Don't hear that often uh, Yes WWDC well First of all, most importantly, we had a fantastic time with the MacBytes in the MacBytes live chat room. I must say, it gets better every time. And I think this time we probably had the most people in there we've ever had. I think we did, yeah. And uh, we did have a fantastic time, which was just as well. Because, wait for this, it's heresy. As keynotes go, it wasn't one of their best, I didn't think. I know that sounds terrible. <laughs> but at the time, live, I didn't think it was. Um, I then sat and thought, well, why not? And I think it was the most hyped keynote I can ever remember, and that includes iPhone 1. The expectations were just running completely wild. I, I'd heard of, and they sounded fairly legitimate, logical expectations as well. I'd heard of a complete rewrite of iOS from the bottom up with a radical new interface and new capabilities, uh, new MacBook Airs, new Mac Pros, new Mac Mini servers, 
Um, they were saying that uh, stock was very low on airport extremes, airport expresses, so bound to be new ones, highly integrated with iCloud. Uh, Lion could be released on the day. And of course, there was going to be iCloud, which would be a complete utopian computing in an unlimited cloud. It was going to kill Google Docs and Dropbox, SugarSync, Spotify, Amazon Cloud Drive. In fact, it was going to kill everything else. There'd be complete voice navigation and control and wait for it. New version of iWork. <laughs> yeah, right. That was wishful thinking. No, 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 it wasn't me that said that. Other people actually said that. I I I I've left the building with that. I'm I'm not tempting fate with it. Um and then iWork.com beta would no longer be in beta. Yeah, the thing that's been in beta longer than Gmail, I think. So of course with those expectations, it wasn't good. Um during the coverage obviously with no live video feed it, it was quite fragmented as the information was coming in and what I took from the live commentary and, and snippets that we got what stuck me, with me was uh, deep Twitter integration was a phrase that was used and my blood ran cold. I immediately thought of that Guala farce where I logged in somewhere, um, what, what registered in, whatever you're supposed to do signed in, whatever um, and it tweeted it and I had never told it to tweet it. And what had happened was, because I'd got the Twitter app installed, it automatically tweeted it. I never told it to do that. In fact, I specifically told it not to do that. So deep Twitter integration was, hmm, joy. I'll probably use it, but that's not the point. You know, as a quick snippet on the night, it was, hmm, blah. Uh, then there was iMessaging, which... Not really innovating, I thought. And everyone was saying, oh, it's just like BlackBerry, it's just like BlackBerry. I thought, oh, right, OK, then. Um, th it was going... It's only you that I uh, would iMessage with, I, I think. I don't really send texts much at all. I probably only text you and my dad, and that's about it. Yeah. So they're all included in my free amounts anyway. Um, would I message more if it was there? I don't know. I honestly don't know. It, it's certainly not a killer feature for me. But again, it was the fact that it wasn't a massive innovating feature that, that struck me on the night. Uh, going PC-free got a very big round of applause, but it was one of those features that you kind of felt, well, it's about time. And then there was iCloud, which, again, on the night when you were, you were trying to do this live, you were trying to pick you know, what's happening, what's happening, I immediately thought, so, it's going to make it more difficult to share accounts then. Unless you want little Johnny's homework automatically appearing on the screen as you present your killer proposal to the board. Um, I immediately thought of account problems with it. But let's say the keynote was better in hindsight. Because when you sit down, when they finally release the video 24 hours later... Um, hindsight's a wonderful thing. Your expectations have been adjusted for what you know was actually talked about. So it's easy to automatically overlook what wasn't announced and what you were thinking just 24 hours ago and, oh, everything's well in Apple world again. I don't know if that's how you felt about it. <laughs> yeah, what I did the next day is I went back and I looked at um, all the features of Lion because at the time there was, I think they announced 10 features and I thought, no, not interested, not interested, not interested, not interested. As I recall, I you in the Mapbytes chat room dissed 9.5 of them. I think I did. Mm. Yeah, uh, but when I went back and I looked at them, I think I found one or two uh, that might be useful, <laughs> which I've now forgotten. <laughs> which they so are. it was memorable then. <laughs> yes. The iOS 5 stuff, um, 
on the night yeah i'm very interested and i think a lot of new features there but again what i've done is because they only they only mentioned like you know the 20 what they think are the killer features which are great features don't get me wrong on that uh but i've gone through um looking at all the other features uh i'll put a list i'll, I'll put a link in the show notes to uh, to one or two of the sites that i've found but here are my top 10 features of ios 5 um things that i personally would find useful Shall i cue in the top of the pops music there yeah mm, if i can we'll find it i will carry on um, scrolling for long song titles, I've wanted that for ages because, you know, when I've got 67 uh, playlists called uh, Now Music Whatever. <laughs> Showing your age. <laughs> or um, Greatest Hits of the 70s, 80s, <laughs> 90s, delete as applicable. Mm, I actually have Now That's What I Call Music 1 and I remember that from being in college. That's scary. <laughs> I think I've got that somewhere. I've got all of them from 1 to 67, I think. 68. <laughs> Always trying to jump me. <laughs> yeah. Um, number two, song description. If you tap and hold on a song title, you get a description. Where does the description apparently. come from, though? Is it one that you've typed in from iTunes? I have no idea. Oh. Didn't say. That could get very interesting with my music collection. <laughs> it could. I shall look forward to that. Sync smart lists... Uh, I'll start again. Sync smart playlists from iTunes. Now, can you not do that already? I have no idea. I don't. I don't use it like that at all. I don't. I know that some people have. Uh, they have amazing setups in iTunes with playlists and smart playlists and all sorts of things going on. And I tried that when I very first got a Mac, and I had folder organization and all sorts. It was fabulous, and then it wouldn't sync properly. So I sort of left it alone. I, I don't smart playlist bother. It's now possible to use your device whilst it's syncing in the background, which is a good one. Um, Did they know, not mention that on the night? Because I would imagine that's, that's quite a big one. If they did, I've forgotten about it. If they didn't mention it, then it, it's like saying this should have been there all along, really. Yeah. Mm. That's that's a good one because I often um, I like to change my music quite a lot because I tend to be out more than you. I... I tend to have a lot more music i don't think you have a lot of music on yours do you i think i have the sum total of zero tracks because i have spotify <laughs> yeah. yeah so i like to chop and change my music around and you know i could be changing a load of albums but i still want to use uh, the device whilst i'm whilst it's syncing for things like twitter and, and mail and stuff like that you know call me paranoid go on paranoid right but I don't think... I, I'd try to avoid doing that. I would see that as potential for disaster. If it takes one on itself... You know, like if you're using a hard drive while you're trying to clone it? Yeah. Theoretically, you should be able to do it, but don't come crying to me when it all goes wrong. I think, yeah, I think you're right, because I think it has happened to me. In an emergency, um, I might use it if I absolutely needed to, but I do tend to steer away from stuff like that. I mean, what, what if it's sinking and somebody rings you? Well, I've always been told when you're doing an update to put it in airplane mode. Mm. Now, half the time I forget. Now, luckily for me, I have no friends and nobody ever rings me. Uh, but if you were popular, <laughs> no, nobody ever rings me because they haven't got that number. I, d I don't like giving out my mobile number. Um, you, know, you get so many marketing calls on yours. I do. I've actually had somebody trying to get hold of me half a dozen times this week. And I know who it is because I've actually changed the description to say, do not answer. <laughs> Yeah, three times it's been in a meeting, 
but the other three times has been when I'm either out with the dog or driving home. And you know what the worst thing is? It interrupts the music. This is what I'm saying. I I can see the benefit of having one pervasive number and everybody can get in touch with you, but I don't like being interrupted. If you want me, send me an email. That's how I work. Um, very, very few people have my number. Very few. So I, it's probably, it would be very unlucky if somebody rang me in the middle of me sinking. But in your mm. case, I've also noticed when you get these unsolicited calls, it's probably between half past six and half past eight in the evening, which is the most likely time that you would be doing an update. That is true. So I, I like the idea that you can do it with, with sinking, but I'd have to see how it goes before I'd actually trust it. I'm very, very old school. Let's have it doing one thing at a time and one thing well. Um, it's like I was talking, I think it was another Matt Bites Live, and we were saying about updating devices. And I've just always do it where I download iOS app updates into iTunes and then I sync. And somebody else said, whoa, I never do that. I always download them straight to the device. And it's just the way that you work. And I think when people have got problems and they have to then roll back and do a reset, I always wonder if it's just got confused that it's got apps in, in iTunes, it's got apps on the phone, it's trying to you know merge the lot together and, and version numbers are going awry. I just wonder sometimes whether that does cause problems. So do it one way or do it the other way, in my mind. So I like the idea, but I'm going to let somebody else try that first. So if you want to be my guinea pig, do feel free. I'll let me know how it goes. I'll be your guinea pig. Now, here's a good one. If you type OMG, it'll type, oh my God. Hmm. Are Twitter increasing their limit to about 3,000 like, characters then? Yeah, and I'm wondering what would happen if you typed FFS. But let's so, let's move on to the next one. <laughs> now, talking of OMG, this one's one for you. Uh, animated GIF support for iMessage. Oh, please. <laughs> animated GIFs have just been transported back to 1996. Mm. <clears throat> That's yes. not good. Actually, I was in a presentation this week, an online presentation. Um, and usually with online presentations, you are spared the absolute worst of um, slide transitions and animations. And it comes as quite a culture shock to me whenever I see any transitions and animations, because I do hundreds of presentations in a year and I never ever use it if i think to myself oh that would i could animate that i think no get a grip of yourself and do something else and um, this slide was sat there in a virtual presentation and it had an animated gif on it and it did look like an under construction gif from 1994 and i just sat there i could i could not concentrate at all for staring at this gif thinking who in their right minds would use that so that does seem to be turning the clock back a bit for me that sound, by the way, was me banging my head on the table. I know, presentations, it's a hobby horse of mine. But animated GIFs, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Now, seriously, here are some uh, some useful ones. Um, hold and drag events from within um, different times or dates. So you can drag, I presume it's talking about the calendar, you can actually drag uh, events around, drag and drop. I've been trying to, to do on. that since the day iPad 1 was released. It doesn't work. So that's good. Because yeah, now it will. One. New keyboard with prominent hashtag and at buttons for Twitter app. I like that. I like that too. iPod app renamed to music and separate video app, which I think they've already got that on the iPad, haven't they? Were these really features that you thought were fabulous? 
I'm yeah. a bit I'm a bit well, poor with that. Some of some of them were, were some of them yes, and some of them I've picked because they are the the less known ones because they weren't showcased and I think some people might find them interesting. They're those little gems that uh, that you find. You see, with it being separated into music and video and stuff like that, all it does is, is serve to remind me that iTunes originally was for music and then they tagged videos onto it and then they tagged movies onto it and then they tagged shows onto it, TV shows, and then they tagged apps onto it. How many apps would you have to have to cover the whole range of things that iTunes handles? Is there a separate podcast app? No. It just seems quite odd to me. I, no. Oh, I don't enough. I don't actually use the iPod app much, to be honest. I've got music in Spotify. I have um, about half a dozen apps that handle podcasts, all of which handle them far better than iTunes. Um, so separating it out. And video-wise, I actually tend to use... What's that blue icon? Is it Air Video? I think, yeah, video. I absolutely adore that app. It's fabulous. So I don't tend to transfer video either. Now, I suppose that's that my usage scenario. If, like you, I was going out and I would, and I, you know, I don't want to be streaming video, then I, I may transfer video to it. But I don't have all my videos in iTunes and I don't have all my audiobooks in iTunes. So there, there's another one. Where's the books then? So the books are in music. I don't know. Mm. So, I, no, I don't work that way. I've got my own thing going on here. Maybe I should see Steve. <laughs> I think you should. The last one of the ten, and they were in no particular order, by the way, the last one of the ten is that when you switch from silent back to ringer, uh, it will actually show the volume level along with the bell icon, which at the moment it just shows the bell icon. Mm. You're not impressed, are you? No. Mine's on silent most of the time. Who wants to be interrupted? Now, you know what you've missed out, don't you, that I know was mentioned? What have I missed out? Custom vibration tones. Oh, yes, custom vibration tones. So, yes, let's Moving leave on. that alone before we get in, into deep trouble. Um, I was more interested in what wasn't said. Um, I immediately had real burning questions that I wanted good, clear, concise, preferably positive answers to. Um, everybody in the Mac Bytes chat room was saying the same. Can you do a clean install if you download it via the Mac App Store for Lion? Still haven't really got an answer for that, although I believe education and business customers are getting a code and they can download a DMG and they can transfer it. So I'm hoping that that works the same way, but you know it's going to be with us in weeks and at the moment, no idea. I would prefer to do a clean install if I could. I might not do it straight away. I might do an over the top of what I've got and then tidy up later. But I would appreciate a little bit more information a little bit sooner than the day it's released. But you know, Apple, it, you'll be lucky if it gets there. Um, then there was the iCloud stuff and transitioning .Mac mail addresses. At first it was, can you take a .Mac mail address? And then I started to get thinking about... When you sign up for .Mac or Mobile Me, you automatically get an iTunes account generated for you in that address. And I know you use that for iTunes. I, I never do, did yeah. because I had an iTunes, I had an Apple account to use in iTunes before I had a .Mac account. So I've never really used mine, but I do have all my calendars on there. So it made sense that you'd be able to merge accounts somehow. But the more people have asked the question, the more the answers come back, no. So, again, just more information I would have really appreciated. I felt 
in terms of this not being the best presentation. When Steve stood there and he said, uh, you know, uh, to the effect of it's magic, it just works. I thought, please don't say that. You know, if you're going to stand, when he said the iPad was a magical and revolutionary device, fine, fair enough, we believe you. But don't just tell me that anything just works, because in my experience, very little just works. Everything has to be thought through and planned to, to some degree in the first place. So please don't tell me that it just works, because there's too much scope for pitfalls. So mm, not the best, I thought. But I did like the notification centre, particularly because my iPad is notification crazy. It's just not like iPad 1. I don't know what's the matter with it. It's got a personality disorder. It's crazy with multiple dialogue boxes. When you turn it on, you know, if you've been in your bag for a day and I've had lots of um, reminders during the day, I take it out and instead of having one consolidated dialogue with maybe four or five reminders in it, I turn it on and I've got to click OK, 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 OK on each individual one. But if I turn iPad 1 on, it's one consolidated dialog box. I just click OK and it's gone. So um, iPad 2 is, is just crazy for me. It also doesn't know what silent is, as you well know. <laughs> I turned it off. I did exactly the same as I did with iPad 1. I actually put my finger on the volume and took it right down to mute. And then I left it. This was for episode 50, wasn't it? I left it on my desk. And a reminder came in and you got annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get annoyed. I just mentioned that your iPad had beeped during the recording. Yes, through gritted teeth. I honestly don't, didn't know what, what the matter was with that. So I had a look at it and I found that when I go into the notifications, there's an option on iPad 2. Bearing in mind, the iPads have got the same OS on them. Now, I found an option that said it was a yes-no slider. Um, and the gist of it was, link the ringer volume to the volume switch. And it was set to off. So I thought, OK, I'll turn that on. So I did. And then, fair enough, when I took it down, the notifications were silent. But when I compared the two iPads, um, iPad 2, when I take the volume down, it actually says ringer on it. And iPad 1 doesn't. So I think iPad 2 thinks it's a phone, which sounds insane. I will grant you, but I think it does. And the interface is not the same. So that's on my to-do list. Have a look at it and see what's wrong with it. But if I have to restore it, I think I'll just go mad. But try, yes. putting your, try putting your iPad to your ear and saying hello. It would probably... I think it thinks it's a phone. I think it's just gone gone crazy. Um, I really... It's not right. So Notification Centre looks good. I must admit I'm a bit sick of the linen design. Now, when I mentioned linen, you were like, What? Mm. But um, I've been looking around uh, a lot of websites and some really excellent designers have come up with their take on what notification centres should look like. To be honest, their designs are way ahead of what Apple have actually put out. So I'd like a little bit more customization, which, again, was one of the things that was talked about. Oh, it'd be designed from the bottom up and it'd be fabulous. And it doesn't. It, it feels like it's been tacked on top of it, but... At least it's hopefully an improvement and my iPad won't think it's a phone. It's got a personality disorder. And one little nugget that came out was that you can reboot to Safari only mode, which I envisaged as if you've got a MacBook Air and you reboot to Safari only mode. It's like a very expensive Chromebook, isn't it? It is. Are you tempted by a Chromebook? Uh, in theory, because our recording notes are in it and I'm using Google Docs more and more. I'm warming to them slightly after the wave debacle gritted teeth um i can see a use for it but what i really would prefer would be a definitive google apps app for ipad 
there isn't one. Uh, you can log in via Safari and there's also a lot of other browsers for iPad and they will log, log you into Google Docs but it, you tend to get the mobile interface and it tends to be giving you error messages and saying things aren't supported so you're missing out on quite a few of the features and I was wondering why Google hadn't made a Google Apps app for iPad and then the Chromebook came out and it became abundantly clear why not. If it were cheaper I'd probably give it a go just to see just to use the Google Apps that I use but I think price-wise it's probably a little bit steep at the moment. Maybe Steve could make a Google Apps app. Now that sounds crazy, but I was reminded of The Return of the Pirates of Silicon Valley, which um, was a film that we watched a while back, very, very good film, um, about the early days of Apple, Microsoft and Silicon Valley. And I think something was said in there about copying, wasn't it? Yeah. Good artists copy, great artists steal. And that was a quote that was attributed to Steve Jobs. Then this week, Apple are criticising Samsung for copying them. And I thought, really? Pot, kettle, black. Because in the keynote, a couple of things were mentioned that were great. One was the camera uh, that you can use the volume button. So it's a physical shutter release. And straight away I thought, oh, camera plus. wonder where that idea came from. So that was one thing that Apple, shall we say, borrowed heavily from. The other one was an app called Wi-Fi Sync that was um, put into the, well, they, it, they applied to be put into the store and got turned down. And pretty much feature for feature, that is now the Wi-Fi Sync. So while Apple are sitting there screaming at Samsung for copying them, maybe you should look after your own things first before you start criticising others or people might notice. So I, I wasn't, I don't like that kind of thing. I like it when Apple really innovate. I mean, I think we mentioned this in episode 50 that we watched the keynote for iPhone 1. That was, like you said earlier, that was probably the best keynote that we've seen. Because the stuff, they didn't copy anybody yeah, for iPhone it was 1. totally new, totally innovative. It was amazing. It was stunning. I remember watching that keynote, well, say watching it. Um, I watched, you know, live, live blogs of it with a couple of pictures coming through. It was January 2007, so live blogging was um, a, a solitary um, job. And I, it was amazing. It was like, oh, wow, oh, wow, oh, wow. And this time I have to say, you know, things do creep into your head where you're thinking that's not as innovative as you were being innovative before. So I did enjoy the video and I do like the look of the features and stuff, but I'm. it wasn't as it felt before. And other people in the chat room said the same, didn't they? A couple of people mm. did say yeah. it, this doesn't just, it just doesn't feel right and stuff like that. One person said, um, this doesn't feel like the Apple that I know and love. And I thought it reminded me a little bit of Microsoft where... In the early to mid-90s, I was um, a Microsoft reseller and I was doing a lot of work with Microsoft. As you know, it was exam after exam with Microsoft and I was really involved in their systems and structures and things that they did and you could see where they were going and stuff and you couldn't really see a day when Internet Explorer wouldn't be the dominant browser and Office wouldn't be your go-to app for everything. But I have lived through weaning myself off that and it wasn't difficult. If you'd have said to me when my first Mac arrived, there'll be a day where you won't turn your Windows machine on, I would have laughed at you because I thought, no way. My clients have got this and that and I can't do that. I can't do that. But it is doable. So just because Apple are number one with everything at the moment doesn't mean it couldn't change if they stop innovating and just start taking the best features from somebody else. The other thing that you, problem that you've got is that the people who 
take the time and build these apps. And I think we did mention Camera Plus at the time, that one of the problems with it was that, you know, you should have known that that would get kicked out, but you built it anyway. And you tried getting it in through the back door as well. So I didn't blame Apple for saying no, but it's a bit two-faced to say no with the reasoning you'll confuse people and then build in exactly the same feature. Now, <laughs> that, that you're, you're in the right at the beginning and now I'm thinking, mm, did you think at the time, no, we're not allowing that because we'd like to borrow it. The person, the, the person who has made Camera Plus, has, it's been in the store, they've sold thousands and they've made millions, so that's great. So it was really worth their while. Even if they don't sell anymore, and I'm sure they will because there's a lot more features in Camera Plus than the built-in application, I wouldn't blame developers for feeling a little peeved that they put a lot of work in and then their work's just gone. It's just subsumed in, into the ecosystem or whatever. And that's the problem that Microsoft are having at the minute when they demoed Windows 8 um, and questions were asked about the interface, which was very touch enabled. Um, and it was sort of a, just a passing comment. Um, the lady who was doing the presentation said, yes, well, well, it's um, HTML5 and JavaScript and moved on. And it's really kicked off in the Windows development forums that people are concerned that all the skills that they've got now, and Microsoft have been taking them down um, the MSS framework route and the Silverlight route for rich applications that are cross-platform. And now they've kind of said, oh, and the HTML5 and JavaScript. If that turns their skills into classic skills, which are no longer sought after because everybody wants the latest and greatest, it's upsetting the developers. And as Steve Bolman knows, developers, developers, developers. I like to see what the developers are saying and, and what they're thinking when they see um, the new features and the new capabilities that are announced because they're the people who will be utilising those and making the apps that we will love tomorrow. And if they're excited, then I'm excited. But if they've got concerns, then we should all have concerns. And I know in the Windows world, things aren't good at the moment. You might think, well, you know, HTML5 is the future. Everybody's been saying that about HTML5 for ages. It might be the future, but it's not there yet. It's like an eco car, an electric car. It might be the future, but do you really want to drive from Land's End to John O'Groats in one today? Probably not. And that's where we're at with that, I think. So developer-wise, I've got a little bit of sympathy for the developers. I really have. But anyway, that's the negative side of it. But... The MacBiters and I decided that we need to have a MacBytes Live when there isn't a keynote. Now, that sounds illogical, but the logic is the keynote was somewhat interrupting our fun. So I think we should indeed have a MacBytes Live when there's nothing else to distract us from just having a good old chat. What do you think? Mm, I second that, definitely. Right, so absolutely. Preferably before the next keynote. Yeah, that sounds like uh, fun, but... Um... Let's get back to something that wasn't fun at all, was it? Oh, do we have to? We do. Uh, yes, it was after my rant at Sainsbury's recently. And Argus. Oh, true, I'd forgotten about them. Yes, it was regarding the complete ineptitude of the staff in knowing what offers were in place for iTunes vouchers. Well, this week it got even worse. We had a local store and the local store had a fabulous offer on. They were offering 30% off iTunes vouchers. So it was spend £10 and they gave you a £15 iTunes card, which would have been pretty nice. It's £5 worth of free money, as far as I'm concerned. But there was no limit on what you could buy either. You could have as many of these cards as you wanted. Now, that's your idea of shopping heaven, isn't it? 
except it was me that went into the shop. Well, obviously, but I had done all the planning. No, no, it's completely logical because with Final Cut Pro X coming up at $300 and um, I also got Amadeus Pro this week, which was £35, you know, it makes a big, big difference. So um, I was sorting out and plotting and planning and, yes, arranging purchases. Well, my parents decided to get some as well and they headed off to the store. Uh, you had to have a voucher that you had printed out. This is going to get confusing, isn't it? The voucher was just like um, a paper thing printed out. You didn't need to sign it, put your address on or anything, but it had a barcode on it and it meant that at the checkout they could scan this barcode and it would knock the 30% off. So um, they headed out with copious instructions and um, the, the paper voucher that they took with them. And um, what happened could only be described as sleight of hand at the till, I think. Uh, first of all, they get there and it's very busy. So they picked their cards um, off the display and the staff clearly did not understand the process that was involved. Um, so they started trying to rush through it. Now, I can understand that stores get busy. I used to go to the Apple store, the local Apple store, every Friday. And I'd usually be in there somewhere between 10 to 12 o'clock. So when I'd finished, um, it was Friday lunchtime. And I'd usually pop into Smith's and look at magazines. And for some reason, Friday lunchtime was mad busy with lottery tickets. So I got very annoyed that I'm in the queue for, for you know, other stuff. And I'm stuck behind people spending stupid amounts of money on lottery tickets. I appreciate it gets busy, but if you're offering stuff for sale, then the least you can do is sell it correctly. Well, what happened in this circumstance was that they clearly couldn't count. And um, uh, he said, oh, you're one short, I'll get you one. So he took an extra iTunes card off the display and then decided, oh, no, you're OK. You were right in the first place. So he puts one of the cards back on the display. There are people out there who are ahead of me at this point long story short, they returned the activated one to the display and sent the parents home with an unactivated card, which was a bigger issue than even I thought it would be. Um, the way these cards work, they are useless unless they're activated. So that makes sense because anybody could go in and just pick them up and walk out with them. They are useless until they're activated. The way they're activated is using a system called Paypoint Service, which is the same as the top-up service for mobile phones. What I wouldn't have known was that the store can't do anything if there's been a mistake once you've left the store. Now, that's what they're, they're busy telling them. So I would have to say the sale of goods at there's got to be at best an arguable case that of course they can sort it out. It's their mistake. But to be honest, you don't really want to get... If you have to stand there and start quoting the Sale of Goods Act, all else has failed. As you know, because I, I did that in the Apple store with you, didn't I? You did, yeah. Yeah, but Logic had failed at that point. We had a product. It was within the 12-month guarantee and they wouldn't exchange it. They wouldn't deal with it. They said we had to send it back to the manufacturer. That is a blatant lie. So once I... I really hate doing this, but I, tr I tried to be nice to them. I, I tried to say, well, look, you're responsible as well. And they were having none of it. So obviously you had to get the wig and gown out. And um, I'm a lawyer, Sale of Goods Act. And amazingly, two seconds later, we had a new one in our hand, didn't we? So I hate doing it. I really do. But if that's what it got to come to, then I'll do it. But what happened here was um, it was me that sorted it out. They came back with the cards. I'm checking the cards off against the serial numbers. And one didn't match. Now, 
you got involved looking at them and checking them and it was really funny because there was a 922 and a 992 and both of us misread it. Yeah, but it was seven o'clock in the morning and I was half asleep. True, and it was two o'clock in the morning when I was checking them. (laughs) And you were half asleep. And I was half asleep. So we had um, an activation number, 992, and we had a card for that. What we didn't have was the 922 card that was missing and we had a totally different number. So um, they took it back. The staff had no clue what they were talking about there were five of them in the end stood round listening to them looking at the paperwork scratching their collective heads no idea now luckily i'd said don't even attempt to redeem it so the scratch off was intact if you scratch that off you've no chance they will refuse point blank to deal with it and you can't really blame them at that point because they don't know whether you've actually used it or not so I had said, do not, under any circumstances, scratch that off. I'd already said to check that. Um, so they, the PayPoint service will not deactivate a card. They cannot deactivate a card. So I'd also said the best hope was if the activated card that they'd managed to get back on sale on the display was still there, it would be activated and they had an activation receipt for it. So it was like playing Snap. So they headed back and all five staff and my parents were there rummaging their way through the iTunes voucher discount uh, display trying to find 922. Luckily, they found it. Thankfully, they hadn't sold it. Um, But even so, they could not check that that card was still activated. They tried putting it through to, to get some kind of confirmation and it wouldn't have it. So they ended up having to ring PayPoint services and get them to to manually check it and confirm it. Not good, I didn't think, that they would have to go to that that extent because I would have thought it was simple. There should It should be a lot easier than that. Yeah, I keep telling you that this shopping's a nightmare, don't I? Tell me about it. And I didn't actually leave the house. Um, but you started doing some research and you found out it was actually worse than we'd experienced. Yeah, there's a lot of pitfalls out there. Uh, Cards have not been activated, even with the receipt. And there's a lot of book passing as well. The store wants you to deal with iTunes and iTunes want you to deal with the store. And, you know, you're caught in the middle. Well, I know without an activation receipt, you must go back to the store. You've got to deal with the store. But if you do have an activation receipt and the numbers do match, now when I say numbers, I mean the serial numbers. The serial number matches with the activation receipt, then you must deal with iTunes. Now, I have had that situation before where one refused to activate. Uh, And what iTunes actually tell you to do is fax the activation receipt to them, which I thought was incredibly quaint. Yeah, I haven't got a fax machine, but it was quaint. Uh, you, You must fax it back to them and then they will take it from there. But this has happened. We've had so so many problems, even you know, trying to buy iTunes vouchers. And even when you've got them and you've got an activation receipt, you think it's OK and you find out it's not. I'd say with these things, I, I've tried to explain, obviously you're, you're trying to explain to people who aren't technically minded and maybe haven't even used an iTunes voucher before, but the, the, the staff seem to be not trained at all, as far as I can see it. If I go into a supermarket and I want 10 tins of beans, they never scan each tin individually they do one of two things they either scan the first one and then say times 10 or it's in some kind of multi-pack system going on 
um, but they don't tend to do individual items x number of times you know one for this one for that one they don't pass them over like that obviously for speed and they seem to think that these itunes vouchers are the same that all they've got to do is flash the barcode for one of them at the till and then give you 10 of them and it doesn't work like that and you would not know until you'd left the store so i started thinking about it and uh, I've done a, a write-up for best practices in avoiding getting in the mess in the first place. Now, the reason that we got involved with the iTunes vouchers, because I'd never used them before until last year, was there was a very big scare about iTunes accounts being hacked. So I took my credit card off there, and I know you did the same, and I took my dad's off his as well. Um, I think the limit on my credit card is something stupid, like £20,000. Um, I don't want that just left there online. So um, I decided to use the vouchers. So I'd say best practice, wait for the offers to come on because they're definitely worth it. And I know what happens when an offer comes on. I stock up. You appreciate that, don't you? <laughs> I do. <laughs> well, it does save money in the long run, but you do have money laid out. Um, when there was the Sainsbury's debacle, I would say take a hard copy of the details of the offer. Now, Sometimes they're advertised in the local paper. Sometimes it's online. But take a hard copy. Don't just say, oh, it, you know, it was on this website. And then try and get the website up on your phone and, and have five staff squinting at it. Print it out and take it with you. Um, they appreciate paper somehow more than proof on your phone. <laughs> so I'd say take the hard copy with you. Um, at the Sainsbury's one was worse than that. There was no advertising. What it was and how I found out about it, somebody had put on a website that this offer was available. And they had taken a photograph of point of sale marketing. And when we went in our local store, there was no point of sale marketing. But the photograph that this person had put online, they'd put the full high quality photograph up there and you could zoom in and it said all Sainsbury's stores. So print that out and take that with you. That was the only thing that worked in Sainsbury's in the end. They they had, they had couldn't argue with that. The dates were on it. The details were on it. So take it with you. Also, take details, clear details. Make sure you know exactly what you're doing because they certainly won't. You know, the offers are different. It's two for one or three for two or five pounds off 15 or five pounds off 25 or maybe it's 10 pounds off if you buy two. Make sure you're clear about it because they certainly won't be. Um, when you went to Argus, you can actually ring and reserve or do it online, do a reserve online and they will let you do that. You don't have to pay to place the reservation and when you get your reservation, if you say two £25 vouchers, it will say £50. But when you get in there, you will get the discount off it. So you could always reserve online. Wherever it is, if you've not reserved online, phone first and check that the specific branch of the store that you're going to is actually participating in the offer firstly and secondly they've actually got stock because when you went out to one of these local stores they had no stock yeah luckily it was a local store um if i'd gone out of my way i'd have been annoyed so i uh, yeah i always i always ring up now for anything to check they're in stock uh, another tip avoid busy times uh, my parents descended at lunch hour oh it was a farce um, they were having so much trouble with it that um, the people who had gone in to you know like buy a sandwich and a drink for lunch hour were queuing oh three deep and not pleased they just did they just don't have the staff and of course if it's busy then the staff are aware that it's busy and people are getting annoyed and then they start rushing and then you're going to cause even more problems uh, another thing is choose your own cards from the display 
and make sure that you've got the right amount because that's what caused the problem with my parents. They said they were one short. He said they wanted 10 and there's what you want short and they weren't. And that was how come they got mixed up. So make sure that you've got the, the number that you want. And there's different types of cards as well, as well as different values. Some of the cards are plastic, like they're all like little credit cards, but some have another sized credit card at the top with a hole in that they use to hang it up. But other ones don't. They're, they're stuck onto a piece of cardboard. And the idea with the cardboard is the cardboard bends back and then they can be swiped through the activation machines. If you're picking them off off the display and that cardboard is bent already, odds are somebody's tried activating it. So you could have problems with that as well. So I'd say check the cardboard and choose the ones that look decent enough uh, and hopefully that will solve that particular problem. Um, you didn't agree with this, but I think you should put one card through on each financial transaction. So I would want, as well as an activation receipt individual, I'd want a till receipt individually as well. Yeah, but then you're there forever. Well, the problem is, if you try paying for multiple cards on one till receipt and you've got a problem with one of them, you can imagine the state that your till receipt's going to be in by the time they've marked it that things have been exchanged. So I'd say preferably small transactions. Some of them will say two cards with some money off, so put them through two at a time. I have actually done that. I know we're British, aren't we? We're terribly British and we tend not to do that, but I do. I insist that if I want things on separate bills, I want them on separate bills. What do you mean you do? When were you last in a shop, apart from the Apple store? Well, oh, this is why you banned me. You banned me after the P incident at Morrison's. <sighs> but I do insist. Yes, I, I do. I've gone in the Apple store and insisted that things are put on separate bills. Because I, I don't want to be taking receipts back that then don't match up with other things and stuff like that. So I would insist. You are within your rights to insist, so why not? And really, you're saving them from themselves as well. And um, when you're when they start actually putting them through, you have to watch them like a hawk. You know, it's not they've got 16 year old kids on there who are more interested in their nail varnish than your cards that are just activating one and not the other nine. You do know you're going to get a load of abuse um, to the to the show notes now. About what? From 16 year old girls. 16 year old kids, yeah. <laughs> I don't think so, because if they're 16 years old and they're more interested in their nail varnish, they're not <laughs> listening to my advice. I've done a demographic. They're not. They're not. <laughs> Um, so watch what they're doing when they're activating them, which is why I say single transactions. Take When they've put a card through and you've got the activation um, receipt from them, take the card away. I'm not saying they're being deceitful. I think it just gets confusing that you've got so many items on the checkout and it gets confusing. So just take it away. Um, then also check, obviously, you've got all the cards before you leave the till. Uh, they might only put if you want four they might only put three in the bag it's all it's happened before it doesn't matter so much if it's a birthday card but it does if it's 25 pounds worth or 50 pounds worth of an itunes card and then what i do while i'm still in the store i check the activation receipts which obviously the more cards you buy the more difficult it is now when you come to check an activation receipt i mean obviously i was explaining to my parents what to do with it and they were boggled there were so many different numbers on it but it's not actually difficult. I'm not referring to the number that is underneath the scratch off. That has nothing to do with this. When I say check the activation receipt, you will find on your receipt a minimum of four digits from a card serial number. Now, sometimes there's more. It tends not to be the whole string of digits, though, which can be sort of 24 digits long. 
Um, and remember, not the code under the scratch off. It's usually in the lower left or the lower right corner of, of the card itself. And the four digits at the end must match the serial number. And if it doesn't, it's not activated or you can't prove it's activated. So those are my tips for best practice for buying them. Take it from somebody with bitter experience. Uh, that's the best way to go with it. I still think it's worth it. Um, if you think about something like Final Cut Pro, you're looking at a third off the price, which is saving $100. And it's not arduous once you, once you know what you're doing. But there are a lot of potential pitfalls. Yeah, another point to make is uh, deny that you're going to sell them on. Because when I bought, what was it, 20 I bought, uh, he said to me, um, what are you doing? You're selling them. I said, no. And I explained about the fact that I've taken my credit card off the, the account and I buy a lot of software and stuff. And he said, oh, yeah, we've got a guy comes in here quite a lot. And uh, when they're on cheap, he buys them and sells them on it. He's got a market stall somewhere. I can't imagine who in their right minds would buy pre-activated from a market or in a pub or something like that. It's a minefield enough without bringing that into play because you wouldn't know how long the guy had had them. They only last for two years. If they're not active, if they're not transferred to, to an account within two years, then they just you lose you them, lose them you? completely and you wouldn't know how long. There, there's no, I mean, he isn't going to give you the activation receipt with the price on it. So I, I'd, I'd avoid that. I think that's terrible. Um, yeah. Another slight issue, um, we said that there, there were plenty of pitfalls and things not being activated. Um, we found that Argus, I'm trying to go through all the stores now, um, ooh, Argus, I think I, uh, Apple do separate receipts, but we did find that uh, Morrison's had a very good deal on a while back, didn't they? And what they do, I find even worse, they don't give you an activation receipt at all. They put the activation number on your till receipt. They also with the beans. With the beans, they they do not se put separately a you know, food separately or other items separately. They want to put the whole lot on one receipt, and it took me twenty minutes to work out what on earth was going on because you bought some salad cream on it, and I thought no, that doesn't work with iTunes. <laughs> so um, I I would avoid anybody who does that as well. They must have a different merchant service. They're not using this PayPoint, so you don't get a separate activation code, which not good so it's a complete minefield be careful out there people so after the trauma of acquiring said uh, itunes money well, it sounds like monopoly money doesn't it oh no it's real money <laughs> itunes money is very cool <laughs> so what we bought with it um well i bought uh, i spent the uh, oh an enormous amount of money three pounds which with my 30 percent off was only Two pounds. Two pounds. <laughs> oh, I love that. My kind of shopping. Um, and I bought something called Moom. Yes, Moom. Um, I, I think quite a few people have been chatting away about Moom already. Um, what is Moom and what's it for? Well, um, Moom is one of a class of apps of which I've got, oh, quite a few. Um, the main difference between lots of these apps that I have that do a very similar job is how the end result is achieved. And what the end result is, is to resize windows on your Mac. So I had a couple of these things installed historically. And when I rebuilt my Mac, I just put them all back on and I configured them the way they were configured. So that Can I just say you don't mean resize windows? No, no I mean... Windows on a Mac. I, I don't mean window. no, Windows. No, no, it's nothing to do with that. It's Microsoft Free Zone. Uh, the first one I had was called Mondo Mouse. And what this does is it, it uses um, 
keys as modifiers. So when you, you hold down a key, you can move a window and or resize it with the mouse without using the corner. Because at the moment, pre-Lion, you know, you can only resize a window um, using a corner. So Mondo Mouse lets you be, lets, changes the behavior slightly. Um, it even works behind other windows, so you only need to see part of the window. So uh, sometimes you will find that you've got a window and it's, it's placed slightly awkwardly on the screen. You can't see the title bar to move it. So this can be an escape route for those kind of problems. So I installed Mondo Mouse and I set up a few shortcuts and stuff. And then as I discovered more Mac apps, I found Mercury Mover. Now, Mercury Mover took a bit of a different approach. It was keyboard only approach. So you have a window that's active. So say it's a, a pages window. Um, you use a special key and it brings up a float over window over the top of it. It puts you in a mode where you have a range of, wind of keyboard shortcuts to move the windows. And you could create a range of predefined sizes. So if you want to go full screen with it, you could create a shortcut to take that window full screen. You could have another one to centre it. Um, at 50% or something like that. And you move these windows by entering the Mercury Mover mode using a different shortcut key. Uh, and then you can move them around. So I had that installed and working as well. Then I found one called Breeze, which I've talked about in a previous show. And I found that that was useful because what that enabled me to do was create a system-wide shortcut key without having to remember to activate the application first. So Mercury Mover works fabulously well as long as you can remember you've got it installed and what the shortcut key was. Breeze meant that you didn't have to remember that. So what I did was, for example, I programmed Breeze so that Control and F would make any window full screen. That's the only shortcut I created in there because that's the one that I needed. Um, I, I think available as well was half screen left and half screen right. But Control and F was fabulous for me and that's what I, I did with Breeze. Breeze could do more than that. Um, it could remember settings. So if you set your screen up as you want it, again, that restore feature will be there in Lion. But at the moment, I was doing that with Breeze. So I had Breeze installed as well. So I had three at that point. And then you're beginning to see a pattern here. I found Divi and I'd have that as well. That was the first app that I saw for Windows management that had a virtual grid that represented the screen. And what you'd do is you'd activate an application, you activate the application and you would draw out the size that you wanted the window to be using the grid. So I have my pages window, that's active. I activate Divi and then I draw out how big I want the pages window and it makes it that size. Um, the grid is deceptive because it's actually reconfigurable. So you can increase the number of the blocks that represent the screen. And the more blocks that represent the screen, the finer the degree of your control. So at this point, I had all four installed, all four of them doing slightly different things. And the only problem I had was remembering what I'd got installed, configured and how to use them. And it was I, I was using features from all of them. And then I found Moom. Now, Moom is from ManyTrick Software, which I've mentioned before. Um, I already use Witch and Desktop Curtain from them. And I really appreciate the integrated simplicity um, that their apps bring to my Mac. It, it's as if those features were always there. So when I try and use a Mac without Witch or Desktop Curtain and now Moom, it actually feels broken. It's so integrated and so seamless. Now, Moom it differs from similar applications because 
they've implemented the easiest way to access the feature set. Actually, it's the most obvious way and that way has been overlooked by all the competition so far. Now, there was actually a major update came out just a few days ago to version 2 and that update is free for version 1 customers and they've added some fantastic features. So how they, they this, this magnificent way of accessing the features is so obvious when you say it. You hover over the green traffic light, which is the maximise button. And you hover over that icon for a user configurable amount of time. So if you don't want it to be flashing up instantly, you can configure how long you have to hold your mouse over the button before you get a heads up display comes up. It's a very compact heads up display and it gives you one click access to full screen and top, bottom, left and right 50% of the display. Now, the same heads up display if you add a key into the mix it changes the functions to be quarters of the screen top bottom left right etc now there's two absolutely outstanding features for me which aren't handled as well by other similar applications firstly once i've resized a window I may want to return the window to its previous view. Now, that was one of the things that, as coming to the Mac platform from being a Windows user, I just expected that to be there. I don't know about you, but on Windows, I use that all the time. Yeah, I do. Well, Moom handles this so elegantly. Um, you can do it in one of a few ways with version 2, but the first way is via the heads-up display. There is an arrow that appears only when a window has been moomed. So when it's been zoomed and resized with moom, you get this arrow pointing backwards. And when you click on that, it restores the window to its previous size and placement. Now that is just a perfect feature as far as I'm concerned because OS X lacks it and the implementation is just completely simple. If I'd have thought of it first, it's fabulous. I absolutely love that. And the second feature that doesn't seem to be handled as well with the other apps is multiple monitors it makes it completely simple to switch a, a window from one monitor to another you still use the heads-up display and you still just select one of the options but what you do is you actually drag you click and drag your mouse pointer instead of just clicking it to apply that setting to the window you click it and keeping your mouse held down you drag towards the monitor you want the window to appear on so my secondary monitor is set on my left hand side so if I have a window on my main monitor and I'd like it to be full screen on my secondary monitor I just bring up the heads up display I click and hold on the full screen and drag slightly back towards the left and when I let go what will happen on the screen is I will get an arrow that points towards my second monitor and as soon as I see that arrow I let go and the, the window is taken to the secondary monitor taken full screen once I finish working with that of course the restore feature also restores it back to where it was and that is just such a time saver those two features alone it's absolutely fabulous and many tricks have thought of everything as well. There's actually three ways to run Moom. You can run it as a standard dock application, so there's an icon in your dock. You can run it as a menu bar application, so you have a little icon in your menu bar that you can use to access the features. Or you can even run it completely facelessly, so it, it really does completely integrate with the OS. I've elected to run it as a menu bar app. Um, I wouldn't have to, I don't tend to use it as a menu bar app on my main Mac. 
But one quick tip for you is when you've set these shortcut keys, you have problems trying to send shortcut keys using um, desktop sharing. So if I run it as um, a menu bar app, I can actually access it quickly without trying getting without my machines getting confused about which machine it should be running the shortcut on. So I've left it running as a menu bar app, but I certainly appreciate the opportunity to run the thing completely facelessly as well. Um, there's just a couple of gotchas which make sense and I have been able to work around them with version 2. When you access the grid and the available options via the um, heads-up display, you can actually elect to have the whole grid. So when I said Divi had a grid, that grid came up in the centre of the screen. Well, by default, Moom's grid um, is set with inside Moom and you don't see it. But you can enable that so the grid is available in that heads-up display, makes the display a little bit bigger, but it gives you more options so you can just draw out on that grid. Uh, one thing that happened to me when I did that was that it removed the ability to use the back arrow. What it did was change the back arrow, which would take me back to my previous level of zoom, etc. Um, it change that to a drop down with a list of settings. Now how I fixed that uh, was to preempt the problem and set a custom shortcut key for returning to previous settings. So now I've got my control and F set to go full screen and control and R set to revert to whatever it was before and it's absolutely brilliant. So um, you can have as many shortcut keys set up as you want to. That's one of the things that's been added to version 2 and it works brilliantly. Another thing to watch out for is non-standard window responses. I've had problems with ITV and I've had problems with ITV and Windows before. Um, it doesn't seem to respond well at all. It will go full screen with certain things, but there are certain windows within the ITV application that aren't behaving quite as I would expect them. But I don't think that's Moom. I think it's more likely to be the ITV um, application. Now, there are still more of these applications. And I remember having a chat um, on Twitter with Nick about them. And he was looking for one and he couldn't remember the name of it. And I couldn't either. So I just gave him a shopping list of all the ones that I use. And I think he went for Divi in the end. I think he did. There are a lot of them and they are all slightly different. Another one is Optimal Layout 2, which um, is one that, again, you can save sets of... Um, so you could... You could do what Lion's supposed to be able to do with that restore feature. It, you use an option and it will set multiple windows back to what you want them to be. Um, there's probably scope for using more than one. I have trimmed my usage down at the moment to just Moom because I found I wasn't using this setting where I could set multiple windows. And I really appreciate the fact that the option is available from where I think it should be, which is the traffic light icons. So for that reason alone, it, there's nothing to remember. If you don't want to use shortcuts, if you're not a shortcut person, if you're a mousy person, then it's really simple to be there. Now, I know you don't like shortcuts because you have to work Windows at work and you get confused with all your shortcuts. So I think having it available from, from where it should be is the killer feature for me. And it's actually incredibly good value. It is only £2.99 if you buy from the Mac App Store or $5 if you buy from the Many Tricks website. So that is certainly um best app I found this week for sure. Yeah, it's an app that uh, I've uh, got to love as well. Yes, and I think I seem to remember here I suggested it and, and your attitude was, oh, not another utility. But when you saw it, you were rather taken, weren't you? I was very yeah, taken. Yeah, I know what it. you're like. So that's what <laughs> we love this week, isn't it? 
It is. Shall we uh, go on to what our listeners love? Indeed. It's time for Mac Love Bites. Yes, um, I requested that we hear from our Mac biters and that they tell us what they loved about the WWDC keynote. And we heard from Ellie and her pick was the new notification system, uh, notification centre. And she's really, really looking forward to that. But she's not running the beta as I'm not running the beta. I need my toys to work. So I'm not running the beta. And as I said, I've had such serious notification issues on iPad 2. I'm looking forward to that as well. Um, The people who are using the beta that I've heard from are saying they're really, really appreciative of it. So I'm looking forward to that too. So that was one vote for the notification centre. And uh, Amanda. Amanda voted for Safari with the tabs and the reader view and the relater, which, uh, yeah, I agree with her on that. That's stuff that uh, I would find useful. I must admit, I do use Safari on the iPad, um, but I do also have quite a few alternative browsers installed. Yes, a new platform for all my alternative browsers. Um, And I find there are other browsers that are faster than that. And I like the fact the other browsers have tabs. So I'm actually using a browser called iChromey to access my Google Docs. iChromey isn't from Google, but it's very similar to Chrome. So it does work very well. It's probably the best way I've managed to access Google Docs. Um, And that has tabs and all that kind of stuff. And I do use both Instapaper and Read It Later. And I love the the clear reading view. I I despise sites that I go to and... um, the worst thing for me is where you go to a site and they just give you long enough to cast your eye over the site and then it dims out and an advert comes up. Sign up to our newsletter. Mean. I hate yeah. that. I absolutely hate that. So um, I really appreciate being able to read the article and not be bombarded with adverts, flashing adverts, moving adverts. Those, those things, some of them, you, you move your mouse inadvertently and it, you, when you read it, it says hover for more information and then another pop-up comes up. I hate all that. So I, I agree with that, that um, feature as well. I'll probably try it, but I must admit, I do think Instapaper and Read It Later have both got features that won't be provided by this new option from Apple. Um, I think the archiving and things like that, I'll still find a use so far for Instapaper and read it later. So I like both those choices. So let's hear from some others. What do you like if you're actually using it? uh, your, Your opinion is probably even more valuable than those of us who are just speculating at the moment. So um, let us know on the website via the Mac Love Bytes form. Be it hardware, software or anything else that takes your fancy. Within reason, obviously. Spoil sport. <laughs> yeah, well, I like to ruin all the fun, don't I? Yes, you do. Should we move on to feedback and comments? Oh, yes. The great Mac Bytes Facebook page. Thank you so much for all your likes. It's much appreciated. Not to mention the pokes, then. No, I'm being serious here. I really appreciate the MacBiter's support and it means our page is now at facebook.com slash MacBytes. Oh, that was quite synchronised, wasn't it? It was. iPhone, iPhone, iPhone. No, 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 let's not do that. No, after the last time, I'm I'm still scarred from the outtakes. (laughs) Yes, it's a simple URL, facebook.com slash MacBytes. So feel free to pop in, say hello and uh, show us some more love. We can all do with more love, can't we? We also heard from Mac Jim this week and... Sincere apologies to Mac Jim, the real, for causing him to choke on his haggis, apparently. Not once, but twice with the last show. Yes, the first one was the fact there was a show at all. Well, as I keep saying, I like to keep the element of surprise there. 
The second one was apparently when, and it sounds like something I, I may have said, uh, got it in hand. Now, I have no recollection of what I was talking about there, but um, as Kenny Everett would say, it was all done in the best possible taste. And it's all done in the best possible taste. <laughs> Thank you, Kenny. Anyway, um, the outtakes. Yes, we still have the poll on Facebook. Uh, and out in the lead so far is the 24 damn it which i must admit i have fond recollections of that episode that was my favorite as well actually there was an outtake that we didn't do you know what the macbook facebook no no not that one <laughs> that's mean that's mean mentioning that one that was mine no i was thinking of something that you did i couldn't include it in the outtakes of course oh would this be the big um this would be the big one yes the absolute big one shall i tell the them big, what you did the big show no screw up mm. Yes, what Mike did two seconds before we were about to record was um, delete all the recording notes. We had not a running order to our name. Deleted the entire lot, I seem to recall. Um, it, there's no outtake because at the time we weren't recording and, and we weren't recording for some considerable time while Mike reconstructed them either. I think at the time we weren't talking either. Oh, I had plenty to say as I recall it, <clears throat> I see you were taking silence as being the best option, which on reflection was very wise of you. Anyway, yes, the outtakes. So don't forget to vote. It's not too late to vote. Go, go and vote for the outtakes. And if you miss the outtakes, oh, shame on you. They were in last week's show. So we had six or seven outtakes, I think. I think we merged iPhone, iPhone, iPhone with iPad, iPad, iPad. So I think there's six to choose from, but um, I found them humorous. I giggled my way through them. Anyway, onward. Uh, yes, behind the scenes at MacBytes headquarters. Well, as I mentioned last week, the great MacBytes headquarters refit is finally finished. And if you want to be one of the first to partake of an exclusive virtual behind the scenes tour, then all you have to do is make sure that you're signed up to the MacBytes mail newsletter. Couldn't be easier to sign up. Just visit macbytes.co.uk and there's a sign up box at the top of the sidebar on the right on every page. So part one of our virtual tour is coming in the next newsletter. We start the tour with my studio. So do I sense a tidy up coming on then? Now, now, you know I'm a stickler for tidy. It's always tidy. Yes, disgustingly so. Thank you. Now, I know it's not a MacBytes Live, but uh, you're running an online event soon, aren't you? I am. I'm doing a free webinar um, uh, and it's all about how best to showcase your images. So lots of techniques to add interest to the increasing number of photos that we all seem to take. Um, it won't be all Photoshop either, for which a good proportion of you will be incredibly grateful. I'll also be looking at Pixelmator, uh, iPhoto and even Acorn. So, from the sublime to the ridiculous on price, then? Absolutely. Uh, Photoshop on its own is £800. But console yourself, because Master Collection's £2,800. Uh, right down through £29.99 for Acorn to Pixelmator at £17.99. It's still on offer. Um, it went back up to its full price, but it's just gone down again to 1799 before version 2 is released in the summer. You can now only buy it on the Mac App Store, but if you buy on the Mac App Store, you will get version 2 free of charge. So pretty much if you pay 1799 now, you'll be getting version 2 free as well. Just one slight problem with Pixelmator. Uh, the latest version is still 1.6.5 and it's still broken 
Yes, from February. Um, I did mention in an earlier show that I'd written to them and said, the clone stamp tool isn't working across layers. What's the matter with it? And they came back and said, it's broken. And that was it. That was the, the, the sum total of the support. It's broken. It'll be fixed in the next version. That's and a I, Steve reply, isn't it? Is, it is, yes. And I haven't seen a next version. There has been no next version for the last five months. So that doesn't impress me. Because it means for even quick jobs that I, you know, it would be faster to do in Pixelmator. I have to go to Photoshop if I want to keep it editable. And I always like to keep stuff editable so I can go back and change it later. So I'd really appreciate that they fix that. That would be rather good. Anyway, this Showcase Your Images event, it is the 30th of June and it starts at 7pm GMT. For UK-based attendees, that's 8pm British Summer Time. So it's 8 o'clock real time. Uh, if you are elsewhere, we have a link in the show notes that will show you the precise time wherever you are. So rather than try and work it out, just click on the link. Really simple. It would be really good to see you all there. And there's a link in the show notes where you can get your free ticket. So uh, it would be good to see you all there. Well, I think that's it, don't you? Well, the dog thinks so, doesn't he? Yes, I think we should apologise uh, to our <laughs> listeners. Um, if you heard the dog barking, it's sort of 15 minutes ago. I think it's not desperate. barking, though, have you noticed with him? It's just one yip. If, if he had a problem, he'd be barking. But if he just sits there and goes, yip, what he means is, I've had enough, let's go. Yeah, I think he wants his walk, doesn't he? I could he? try and edit him out, but where's the fun in that? Exactly. Anyway, as always, we'd love to hear from you all. So please send your questions, comments and queries by email to the usual address, which is macbytesuk at gmail.com. You can always use the contact form on the website or send us an audio file. We've not had an audio file for a while, have no, we? No, we haven't, have we? No, let's have an audio file. I, I from shall somebody. have to poke the Macbites with a stick. Yes. Leave us a comment on the show notes at macbites.co.uk and don't forget to keep sending in your Mac love bites. And uh, don't forget to keep liking us on Facebook. Yes, because I've just about recovered from my Facebook adventures of last week. You helped me out with a Facebook question this week. Uh, I think you're now the Macbites Facebook guru. Shh! Don't tell anyone that. I'll have you know I wear my Facebook ineptitude with pride. Of course, you can also sign up for the newsletter at macbytes.co.uk. You can follow us at t- you can follow us on Twitter at macbytes.com. <laughs> you always stumble with the Twitter one. I'm not putting this out. No, no, no. This is definitely an intake. Carry on. I'll take a look. <laughs> right, I think everyone knows how to contact us on Twitter. I think we should come on, do it properly. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com/slash macbytes. You can follow me personally on Twitter at twitter.com/slash Thomas Mike. And you can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com/slash Elaine Giles. <laughs> so until the next time, this has been Mike and Elaine bringing you macbytes. Goodbye. Goodbye. See you next time. You should have said this was. Mike, Elaine and Maya bringing you MacBytes. <laughs> Especially for Mark Dalton. Yeah, you see, we should leave that in for Mark. I think we should. The Maya Wolf. <laughs>